Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bitly and Murata Mornings, Social Studies. Brought to you by CarolHasTheBuyers.com. Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Nine o'clock already. Man, time flies when you're having fun, huh? Time for some social studies. Here's Sarah to take us through it. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Time flies when you're feeling more and more anxious about a basketball game. Am I right, Vince? I'm fine. Are you? Yeah. Okay. I'm just an observer in this game we call life. I don't believe you, but all right. Talk to me tomorrow. Social studies. Talk to me at like 6.45 tonight and then tomorrow morning. I I totally hear that. All right. Oh, Tim Ring in the building. Hey. All right. We've got (laughs) social studies first and then two segments with Tim Ring. How's that for a tease? Let's let's head to Twitter at Bickley underscore Murata to talk all about game two tonight. Starting off with this two-parter, guys. We're looking for your biggest concern heading into game two tonight. And on the flip side, what are you most optimistic about in tonight's game? Can I answer the second part first? Absolutely. I'm more optimistic that the Suns are going to play a much better basketball game. What am I concerned about? I think it has to be what happens if there's another slow start. Which, and I know there's different factors and different players for that matter involved, but three straight Phoenix Suns postseason games where they came out flat. Yep. All three of those flat beginnings led to losses. I want to see the Suns with a competent, if not outstanding, first quarter of basketball. And I think that sets the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, my concern is that they are not a team capable of winning a championship this year. That they need some more level B, tier 2 players, mm-hmm. okay. as Jared has often said. That's that's my concern, that we're a year too early for this championship run. Um, what I'm optimistic about is is I don't believe that. I, I believe that, I, I think with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, if they harness what they have the proper way, they do have enough. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to our listener responses. Our biggest concern heading into Game 2 and what we are most optimistic about for Game 2. Richard is most concerned about the bench, which laid a big fat egg in Game 1 on Sunday. Uh, He is most optimistic that Kevin Durant will go off. Sarah MC is they cannot let the officials get to them, especially with the news that Scott Foster is on the crew. We can already see the swirl on social media from Suns fans. Hopefully it doesn't impact the Suns players as well. Uh, Sarah MC says she is most optimistic about them playing their game a lot better, being more aggressive rather than reactive. Um, Biggest concern for J.V. Heim? Scott Foster, refereeing tonight. He is not the only person who responded that way. Ryan Wisdom is most concerned about Monty Williams making adjustments, the necessary adjustments, and about rebounding as well. I'm just thumbing through this whole thread. It's amazing how many many times the words Scott and Foster show up in this thread. It's a fixation. The Suns could play absolute trash basketball tonight, and it would only be Scott Foster's fault. Exactly. That's the danger in this. That is the danger in this. Yeah. Yeah. Seabacher 44's biggest concern for tonight, Monty thinking he can outsmart everybody. Seabacher 44's most optimistic about having Kevin Durant and Devin Booker coming off of a loss. Yes, that is, uh, you want to see that aggression from them. Salt Lake Caesar is most concerned about Ty Lue, says he is smart like a fox. Are, Are foxes smart? I always thought they were crazy. 
Right. Sly. Right. Not smart. Quick. Uh, Salt Lake Caesar says, Kevin Durant is on our side. That is comforting. What do you guys think about this from Shea Tor? Tonight could be the last game of the season at Footprint Center. He is predicting a sweep. It could be. It won't be. It won't be. But it could be. Okay. Just like the Suns could fall behind 0-2 and still win a series. Fair enough. Al Thompson says Kevin Durant becomes the face of the Phoenix Suns tonight. This is his team for the next three years. So a a prediction for a strong night from KD. Yep. All right. On to our next question. Who do we think will score the most uh, points tonight? Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, or Chris Paul plus DeAndre Ayton? I put it out there earlier that this is this is Kevin Durant's yeah, first signature KD moment. Yeah. It's a KD game. I'll go uh, 35 for KD. That's a good number. 30, okay. 30 for Booker. Oh, I like that. Yeah. What do you think, Beck? I think uh, KD. Yes, I think that uh, I think that he will do as instructed and shoot more, and he'll make more, and he's going to lead the team in scoring. No standing in the corner. Right. Get in there. No one puts KD in the corner. That's right, baby. <laughs> 75% of our voters are expecting Kevin Durant to score the most for the Suns tonight. 75% say Katie. 20% say Devin Booker. Only 5% believe that Chris Paul and DA will combine for the most points tonight. Alex says, I'm going to say it's Scott Foster with the best stat line. Oh, jeez. 45 <laughs> free throws, four technicals, and 10 missed calls. <laughs> Yeah. A 45, 5, and 10? Well, a 45, 45 4, and 10. 10. Has that stat line ever been pulled off in NBA <laughs> playoffs? I, uh, I hate the intent of that, but I love the way he funny. executed that. Exactly. That's, and that's why we had to read Alex's tweet, because it, it, there was some creativity there. AZ Kid says tonight, most points for the Suns has got to be Durant. The Suns paid too much for just a decoy. Indeed. Daylight Film says Devin Booker is going to have one of those I'm going off nights. I hope. I just want to win as going to Los Angeles down 2 nothing is not an option. Uh, some more Scott Foster tweets. <laughs> Narf Zipol. Narf, please tell me if I said your name or whatever this is correctly. Durant was the scoring leader in game one. He was 27 points and he yep. can still be the high scorer just so long as he is not the only scorer. Indeed. All right, final question here. And Tim Ring, if you want to get in on answering this one, you cer- certainly are welcome to. Hi, Tim. This was this was a debate at the start of the show or early on in the show. Male sports fans wearing jerseys and nothing else <laughs> underneath them. I mean, still pants, but yeah, not like right. a, a yeah, you t-shirt. Well, then you'd have a party. <laughs> nothing else. That's illegal in public. If you're going to go Winnie the Pooh with an NBA jersey, <laughs> can you do that? Okay, probably so not we're, a great look. Probably not. Donald so we're, Duck in it. We're asking, how how do you want to see men in NBA jerseys, basically? Yes, wear however you want to. Yes, you can wear without a t-shirt, but only if you're in shape. Yes, you Negative. can wear one, but only with an undershirt. Y- or yeah. no, do not do not wear NBA jerseys out in the world. And this 
was a very C controversial question. It, it, uh, again, it's I would say the answer is C. Just some hybrid of a of a. Don't they have replica jerseys that sort of with sleeves? They kind of have the sleeves attached. Haven't I seen Do those? They? No, they used to. Um, I mean, there there was that. the very unfortunate period of time where Adidas made sleeved jerseys. All right. I don't I don't know if I've ever seen any connected unless they're yeah. like jerseys, like a t-shirt jersey. Okay. I do um, like a jersey. Okay. I, I'm getting old. I don't care anymore. <laughs> you do you. Exactly. You wear what you want to wear. Would I wear one? No, but nobody wants to see these pipe cleaner arms. <laughs> And this horrible. <laughs> I, I, I would say I have a farmer's tan, but I really don't have any any color on any of my body. Right. So there's that. You but, and me both. Yeah. I'm just I, you know if, even if I was in shape though I wouldn't I wouldn't wear a tank top. Fair enough. There's a jersey without a shirt underneath it. And ultimately it does come down to personal taste, as plenty of people pointed out. People were furious. People were. And I was even asking. What people should do. People should be allowed to do what they want. Stop policing yeah. people's fashion. This is America. The good news is no laws will be changed based off of this tweet, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, 46% said, yeah, wear the jersey. Who cares? Doesn't matter how you do it. 31% say, yes, wear the jersey out and about, but only with an undershirt, please. 16% say, no NBA jerseys for you. 8% say, yes, but only if your body deserves it. <laughs> I'm glad that was the lowest vote one. Yeah, that same. Was also where I would Jared hate for voted. someone to look at me and be like, your body does not deserve that. <laughs> we should have a panel. Please Is no. this person eligible to wear a jersey? Yeah. Well, man. Man. Tough times. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Jared guys. always pushing buttons. Thank you, Sarah. Social <laughs> studies every day at uh, 9 o'clock at Bickley underscore Murata on Twitter is where you can answer the questions posed by Jared. Coming up next, we'll continue our game two preview. Suns and Clippers. The Ringer. Tim Ring will join us in studio for a couple segments next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Marotta talk Suns Clippers now. Our energy was off a little bit. Uh, it shouldn't have been, though. It's, it's the playoffs, man. The atmosphere, uh, packed house. So we just got to get off to the better starts and uh, get a really faster. Story Craig of the uh, Phoenix Suns, a key player in Game 1. Figures to be a key player in Game 2 tonight at Footprint Center as the Suns try to even things up against the L.A. Clippers. But talking about a concerning element from Game 1, the energy being off, which kind of gives flashbacks to Suns fans after uh, the way the postseason ended last year. And we're continuing our Game 2 preview with uh, a familiar voice to our listeners. He's in here a lot. For better or worse. No, he's in here a lot. He's always (laughs) pinch-hitting for me or Bick when we're gone. The unofficial fifth member of Bickley and Murata Mornings. We can make it official. Tim Ring joins us in studio. I'll What's be up? the sixth man. I'll be I'll be your Hondo. You'll be, be you'll be, be our, our, our Norm Powell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a bad name to drop here. Yeah. What's going on, fellas? I was excited about the round table because I figured there'd be somebody else here. But too much like, brain power here already right. for a fourth person. This is like the, tri- the, would go the triangle table, <laughs> we call it. Just the three of yeah. us. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um your takeaways on that energy subject. You know, 
it, it, it certainly looked weird from the from the outset on, it, on Sunday. A bit alarming. A bit alarming to come into a playoff series game one. Obviously, an electric atmosphere out there, seventeen thousand plus as per usual. Kevin Durant's playoff debut. I think any one of us going into that game kind of assumed that the Suns were going to win the ball game, and they came out and they were outplayed, and they were out hustled, and they were out schemed, especially in that first quarter. I think Ty Lue really had his team well prepared uh, to attack what the Suns were doing defensively. I mean, it hasn't really been talked about the last couple of days because the laundry list of things that went wrong is long uh, and it takes a while to get through. But think of how many open layups the Clippers got going to the basket just Mm -hmm. by running their offense. I mean, it's almost like they were prepared perfectly for what the Suns were going to do defensively. And then, you know, when you have a player like Kawhi Leonard, who's one of the best in the league, when you get into crunch time, you give him the ball and you let him do his thing. Uh, And that was a recipe uh, for victory for the Clippers, obviously, in Game 1. And, you know, guys, what's really, and again, I'll use the word alarming to me, is that the Suns were not only out-schemed, uh, they were also outworked. they were out-hustled by West, Russell Westbrook throughout the game, uh, they were outplayed pretty much throughout the entire game, and at the end of the game, they were outscored, and that's why the Clippers are up are up one nothing. And I'm shocked that that happened on a team that, you know, boasts Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, that they were kind of played off their heels early on, and outside of that second quarter, where they kind of pulled themselves up by the bootstraps and got back into the game. And then the first eight minutes of the third quarter, let's be honest, that was the Clippers game. I agree. They, yeah, were, I agree. they, they were in game control. Mm-hmm. They were they were clearly uh, prepared and ready to outwork and outplay the Suns. And I don't think, aside, even when the Suns built that nine-point lead, Monty had to go to his bench. And the Clippers, they wiped that, they wiped that lead away right quick. Yeah. And that they got, bench combination was most unfortunate, by the way. As Vinny pointed out, that Devin Booker and the four players he was with, they shared the court for a total of two minutes in the regular season. So that's an odd time to roll out a five that you had rarely ever seen before. Well, and it goes back to, you know, the decision to start Torrey Craig. Now, on the surface, Craig delivered offensively, right? He scored 22 points in the game. He might not have a game like that the rest of the playoffs for as long as the Suns, uh, you know, are alive. But he was also brought in to really defend Kawhi Leonard. How did that go? I don't know. I mean, the guy had 38 points and was pretty much unstoppable. But what you did was you took away from your bench by bringing Torrey Craig sure. off, off the bench and into the starting lineup. And also, guys, you know, it, it, it kind of neutered Josh Okogie in the game, mentally and physically. I agree with that, too. You know, mentally, I think re, re, being removed from the starting lineup, I think, took its toll on him. But also physically, how much impact on the game can you have when you play six-plus minutes? Not much. And, 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 you, and you look at it this way, I don't think there's any question going into the game. Josh Okogie was one of the Suns' top six players on the roster, right? He was certainly a starter, but when you talked about impactful players yeah. on a roster, Josh Okogie was certainly probably in the top six, maybe the top seven, and you completely eradicated him from your arsenal. Well, just the the, the, the viewpoint going in, when, when you've had that same eight games with Kevin Durant, it featured the same starting lineup in eight games. They won all eight games, and I know the playoffs is a different animal, Tim, but why make that change there? Should that not be your first adjustment from a lineup standpoint? If you go with Josh Okogie, it doesn't work out. You've got the flexibility to go with Torrey Craig moving forward. I think that that was a little bit puzzling for, for, for some Suns fans and for people who really watched this team closely that that change was made before game one. I think maybe the mental impact more than the physical impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly, when you listen to Monty, his reasons for doing that were clear. He wanted to get a bigger body, a better defender in the game to, to harass Kawhi 
Leonard, probably because they did not want to tire Durant out uh, on the defensive end, thinking that they would need his scoring. But again, I, I think you know when you do that, you're basically saying to your team, you know, what we have going in isn't going to be good enough uh, to win this game or this series. So I'm going to make a change. And when you do that, and you obviously take a little bit from your bench because now Tory Craig is in the starting lineup. Sure, you move Josh Okogie there, but again, when you only play six minutes, how much impact can you have on the game? And mm-hmm. you look at that box score, big Okogie mm-hmm. had zero impact. Yeah. In fact, the entire bench had no impact. I, Let's be honest, yeah. they scored three baskets the entire game. That had to be a season low. I, I, I didn't have the energy to look it up and research it, but well, I can't remember. Uh, maybe any NBA team this year having three buckets from their bench. Yeah, listen, you know that you know the Suns are going to be top-heavy. They're going to rely on their big four. But I'm sorry, the, the, the five through nine or five through ten, there has to be some contribution to help you get a W. And I think outside of Landry Shamit, who played 24 minutes, it's almost like the rest of that bench, their purpose in that game was not so much to impact it in a positive manner. It was there to just give Durant and Paul and those guys a quick blow yeah. before getting back into the game. Because you look at all their minutes totals, nobody played more than, I think, seven or eight minutes, right, outside of jo- outside of Landry Shamit. So you're really asking a lot of your starting five. And then when Chris Paul shoots two for eight, it's exasperated, right? Because you're going to be a top-heavy team mm-hmm. that relies heavily on your big four. When one of the big four is not putting the ball in the basket, as he usually does, that's going to be impactful as well. Are you worried the presence of Scott Foster is going to, it's clearly going to already in the fan base's heads. Are you worried that it's going to get in the basketball team? There's head? no time for that nonsense tonight, guys. There's no time for Scott Foster mental gymnastics. This is a must win. You know, I know people have been dancing around. Well, it's a must. He can't call a game two a must. No, this is a must win. If the L.A. Clippers come in and they take two from the Suns at footprint, I got a hard time believing that the Suns are going to rally and win four out of five and go even up this series in L.A. I mean, so, I, you know, I, I'm firmly in the camp that the Suns have to come out and they have to win this basketball yep. game tonight, or they are in a deep, deep hole. Because it will also tell me that the Clippers right now have their number. Because, okay, fine, you can let a game one slip away because you weren't quite ready mentally or physically or schematically, however you want to say it. The Suns presumably are going to bring their A game tonight. And if that's not good enough to get a win, and they're going back to Staples down 0-2, I'm sorry, guys, i got a hard time believing this team's going to rally and win four of the next I'm not saying it's it's impossible, but listen, here's, let me just say this. Mm-hmm. My confidence level to win this series for the Suns is still very, very high. Mm-hmm. My concern right now is equally high, mm-hmm. and that's an odd dynamic to have oh, yeah. after one basketball game. Yeah, you guys feel kind of no, the same I, way I, I do. I'm, I'm right there with you. I was extremely confident going into Game 1, but what I saw on a lot of different levels in Game 1 has raised my concern level commensurate <laughs> yeah. to the... Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. And if the Suns lose tonight, then that... Then and the hope goes that it's going to be completely inverted. Yeah. Yeah. Bick, I I had you on the pregame show and this is not hindsight because it was one of the topics I brought up. You know, is the Suns supporting cast, you know, good enough? I I assumed it was going to be good enough to win game one or even advance to the Western Conference semifinals. But the concern about the, the ability of players five through nine or six through nine, however you want to look at it, to make a positive impact in a playoff series. It was a concern going in, and that concern has been heightened now after watching what happened in game yeah, one. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Uh, Tim Ring will be with us for another segment for uh, some Suns preview, and uh, we'll get into the Kevin Durant question and all the concern on that game one performance and why he didn't shoot more next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports. Sports, the local sports leader. 
time to take a look at the Arizona Sports Poll Question. Brought to you by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Final half hour of the show here on Bickley Emirata Mornings. Yes, that is a fist in the air from Dan Bickley. I am joining you there. And we've got Tim Ring as well joining us for the Tim second Ring. half of our love that guy triangle. The ringer, the ringer. <laughs> triangle table, not so much a round table. That's all right. Uh, we're going to our website now, ArizonaSports.com, to look at our poll question. And Tim Ring, you please respond as well. All right. All right, guys. Aside from Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, of these four options, who needs to be the difference maker for the Suns to win tonight's game? Does it need to be Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Tory Craig, or the bench guys? I'm going to go Chris Paul, guys. I, I think, obviously, the bench needs to be a little more impactful in the game. But I think, again, if the Suns are going to be a top-heavy, a top-four-heavy team, Chris Paul's got to be got to be you know part of the equation putting the ball in the basket. A two-for-eight's not going to cut it. He had two point-blank sh- uh, shots uh, in crunch time that he normally makes. And, again, you know, when you miss those shots, guys, obviously the Monday morning quarterbacking starts and, like, why isn't Kevin Durant shooting the basketball there? Yeah. So, if Chris, I mean, Chris Paul can make those shots. He's obviously heading to the Hall of Fame. Chris Paul's got to come up bigger offensively tonight in game two. I don't disagree with Tim, but for me it's the, the bench guys. And I'm not asking them to be world beaters, but you can't have two stints from the bench that are completely detrimental to, to winning. But Tim's our guest. We'll, we'll cast the vote for You're Chris Paul. You're not wrong either. No. They all got to be better. What says the results? Do you guys want to guess? Who's, who's getting the brunt DeAndre of it? DeAndre Ayton's getting the brunt of it, I'm guessing. With 68% of the vote. <laughs> Ain't that <D>. something? <laughs> Ain't that something? He needs to be the difference maker for the Suns to win tonight's game. Chris Paul gets 17% of the vote. Bench guys get 13%. Only 1% say Tory Craig. All right. We got KD. Ain't that something? That's something. <laughs> you can now vote on the Sanderson Ford poll question. Ain't that something? Uh, hey. On the homepage at ArizonaSports.com. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now, Kevin Durant handling the basketball for the Suns now. He drives down to his left. He's going to put up a three. Durant, 13 points. 57-48. Three of Durant's 27 in Game 1. Al McCoy, the Hall of Famer, on the call. He went 3 of 7 from three-point range. Kind of a weird shooting night for Kevin Durant in Game 1. 7 of 15. He missed his first five. Finished 7 of 10. But the lack of shot attempts in crunch time and clutch time, more specifically, was a little bit puzzling as uh, Tim Ring continues uh, here with us in studio on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. And I just think... I, I'm hoping when when we get done with Game Two tonight, and we hit the airwaves mm-hmm. tomorrow morning, Bic, and the reaction that follows was we can look back at Game One as just this 48 minute acclimation, playoff acclimation to this group together, and whatever wasn't firing or working, and I'll include De- Kevin Durant's uh, you know shot load there. It, it you know it was just a one game anomaly, and we get to see Kevin Durant, the guy that they traded a lot for 
for these circumstances to take over in clutch time? Well, you know, to not score in the first quarter and then to not really attempt a shot in the third quarter. Uh, mm-hmm. 17 points in the second yeah. quarter to pull the Suns back into the game. But that can't happen. And I, I will say this. Obviously, the fourth quarter is the most important quarter in any NBA game, especially the playoffs. But the Suns have to come out and establish something in the first quarter tonight. And I think mm-hmm. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker have to be those guys. Because I think that will send a collective confidence and calm throughout the entire roster that we're going to be okay. This is our game tonight. We are evening this series up at a game apiece, and we're going to head off to Staples Center. So I think the first quarter tonight will be it'll be imperative for Durant and Devin Booker to a certain extent to establish that this is their game, this is their night, this is our team, our home floor. We're in control. Because in this that's game. what championship teams that lose game one at home do. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Championship caliber teams that get upset in game one at home, they respond very forcefully and emphatically. And that's what I'm expecting tonight. Mm-hmm. And that's why I kind of think that this has, and I'm, I'm, I'm not jinxing anything. Jinxes don't exist, let's be honest. But this has the feel, and if you watch playoff basketball for a long time and piggybacking off what Bick said, Tim, is like the Suns are expected to win this series. They're the team that has Kevin Durant. And L.A. came in and accomplished its goal already. They they won one game. That's the goal for any road team starting out a series is go win, go in, win one. If you get two, it's gravy. There's a little bit of that normal letdown. I think this should be a comfortable Suns win tonight. I, I think in the first quarter especially, maybe putting Kevin Durant in an easier, better position to actually get buckets would help. A lot of what Durant was doing in the first quarter when he missed those shots, Vinny, was basically just trying to create off the perimeter yes. dribble himself. Yes. And I think there are ways, to, even though he's Kevin Durant and can, he can get a shot whenever he wants it, however he wants it, I still think schematically you can put him in a better, easier position to kind of get himself going in the first quarter. And again, I think it's imperative tonight that the Suns establish Booker and Durant and the fact that they're in control of the basketball game early on. If they fall down again by 9, 10 points in the first quarter, it's going to get a little tight over there on that sideline and on that court with the guys wearing yeah. the Suns jerseys. Can, can we address the, the kind of you know the results of that poll question too with DeAndre sure. Ayton get sixty eight percent of that vote. I know De- DeAndre Ayton is a lightning rod. Anytime anything goes wrong for the Suns, there's a good faction of the fan base that says it was DA's fault. He got eighteen points, eight rebounds in thirty three minutes. He shot fifty percent. Was it his most impactful game? No, absolutely not. But it was he terrible? No, he wasn't terrible but he wasn't either. Impactful. But he wasn't no. great in big spots either. Right. And we took calls yesterday, and I don't know if you heard the show yesterday, Tim, but we had some people calling up and say the Suns coaching staff needs to get the message across to DA that he needs. Needs to be physical and block out and you know dunk on people, and we have we've had this discussion for five years, Ben. Yeah, they've tried. Yeah, they've it, tried that it's, discussion. It's been, it's been hammered home a million yeah. different times from different coaches. Hell, probably two different owners have uh, you know tried to get that through to to DeAndre Ayton as well. It is what it is. This is year five. Uh, yeah. you know, a leopard can't change its spots. Some games are going to be better than others, but can we stop all the DeAndre Ayton heaping on of the hate every time the Suns lose a game? I mean, can we also just be reasonable about this? Yes, he must play better. He needs to play better. He yeah. did not have an impactful game. Zubac outplayed him. Obviously, those three offensive rebounds the Clippers got uh, with a minute to play was really a, uh, a, come on, a, a hammer in the nail of the coffin, ultimately, for the Suns, as it led to Westbrook ultimately getting two free throws. But at last check, again, those four other guys that can grab a defensive rebound yes. on the court. 
Right? I'm sure so Dean Andre Ayton's not charged with blocking out Russell Westbrook. No, and that's the thing. Westbrook was the guy. And yeah. again, you know, we don't. It's funny. We don't talk about blocking out when you get to the NBA level a lot. Like that's not a hot topic of conversation on the radio shows and in the post game because it seems such a basic part of basketball that's reserved for junior high coaches and high school coaches. Mm-hmm. Got to block out, screen out. But again, it's a, ba- a very basic basketball function that the Suns failed in crunch time yeah. and in critical moments. They got to block out, get a body on well, Westbrook. Yes, and and see, and I think you draw up a great juxtaposition because Russell Westbrook is proof of what happens when you play with force. The game might not be going your way, but but you are going to end up making plays, and and these every possession is so consequential that when you're standing behind a guy and watching instead of boxing out, fans are. They have every right to be angry about that because you've got yes. to be locked in mentally. Every possession. You have to be. So I, I get everything you're saying about it's it's not commensurate with how good or bad he was in that game, but it's just a reminder that he's got to stay locked in. It, it, it's, he's got to be locked in, Bick. And, and, and I, I think, Dan, you may have actually, maybe you wrote about it or maybe I heard you speaking about it. Just little things like, you know, not corralling the basketball, bobbling it, you know, not catching it cleanly. Just little stuff like that that makes you think like, yeah. okay, are you mentally engaged as much as you should be in a game, especially a playoff game, especially a game one on your home court? You just, you need more out of him. Mm-hmm. But is shaky hands mental or physical? It seems it's, to be with I, him mental. I think it's I, mental. It Vinny. comes and goes. Uh, no, I think it's you a lack. Think it's guess, the other? I think it's a lack of concentration. I think it's a mental thing because I we've think seen, you could probably pie chart it. We've seen Da locked in, and he doesn't do that. Hey guys, he's always good. he's never going to be that guy who drops no, steps and goes that. up and under and draws fouls and gets to the free throw line. Fine, he's a face up jump shooter and is a guy that is in love with the right handed jump hook. That's fine. If that's what he's got to do offensively to score, fine. But it's the other elements of the game. You don't get outplayed by Zubac in a, in a playoff game. That can't happen. Get defensive rebounds when your team needs them. You know, th- th- this is what you want out of him. Just a mentally tougher forty some minutes of basketball yeah. out of a guy who's got all the skill in the world. This is not the last you will hear of Tim Ring on these airwaves. Extended playoff pregame coverage starts at 6 p.m. tonight. So you lead up to the network pregame show tonight. The network uh, pregame show uh, hosted by Al McCoy and Tim Kempton and John Bloom. Yes. Yes, at 6.30. So we'll come out at 6 o'clock before that. I may open up the phone lines as well. Oh, you know those guys. Fun. Those guys don't open up the phone lines on the pregame. Bloomer does it on the postgame, of course. But yeah. I may get the voice of the fans in their little fan forum tonight for at least a segment. Why on not? Pregame show. I'd say I'd be listening, but so I'll be I, in the arena. I dare you when you're sitting down there when Russell Westbrook walks by to go, "Hey, Westbrook, <laughs> see how that works out for you." Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Please, I don't, I don't, Mother Ringer. I don't, Mother Ringer. I don't sweat him. <laughs> Mother oh, right Ringer. Now. That's you know a good name for a band, Mother Ringer. I'll tell you what, I like if, it. If Westbrook wants to have a shooting competition, I'll take him oh, out there right oh, now. Oh, oh, oh. Could, you, could you go four of 19? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I've seen Tim Ring shoot a basketball. He's got good form. There's <laughs> more than you could say for Russell Westbrook. Oh, oh, that, oh. Hey, you know, uh, hey real, real quick, though, about that. Dan, you alluded to it before we hit the break. Rick Pitino wrote about this in his book years and years ago. I remember reading it. There's a common misconception that if you're not shooting the ball well, it means you're not playing well. Mm-hmm. And he would always try to instill upon his players, just because you're not shooting well doesn't mean you're not playing well. And boy, did Westbrook epitomized that. He, yeah. Talk about a guy who didn't shoot well, but man, did he play well. He should be he, commended he, for it because a lot of players, when the shot's not falling, they check out. Exactly yeah, right. True. And he did not let that happen. You could score the hottest ticket in town. 
Suns playoff tickets for tonight. Just text ticket to 620-620. That'll get you registered. Listen for your name today during the noon and 5 o'clock hours for your chance to qualify for Game 2 tickets to see the Suns take on the Clippers. That's ticket to 620-620. Tim, thanks again for coming you, in. Tim. Appreciate it. Well, guys, Catch him at it. 6 o'clock on the extended pregame show. Final thoughts on this Tuesday next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Weekly and Murata, song of the day. Slow things down a bit for you here. I'm Casey Kasem. On with the countdown. <laughs> Number 17. <laughs> little Rod Stewart for you. From the definitive Rod Stewart collection. Yeah. You used this phrase What's earlier today. What's this song about, Jared? It's about playoff game two of a playoff series, the NBA. Duh. <laughs> Certainly not about hairy bearded lizards, which is what you are, ferret. Yes. <laughs> I always found Rod Stewart as one of those. People usually use Mick Jagger as the example of a rock star just because they're a rock star can get like supermodels and stuff. Mm-hmm. I always thought Rod Stewart was one of those. He looks kind of like a chicken. Like always dating supermodels. That's true. He's done well for himself. Tonight's the night. Forget. It's gonna be all right. He's exactly right. Game two, game two tonight. Uh, a reference made by Dan Bickley earlier in the show. Yes. Rod Stewart for today's song of the day. Bickley and Murata going off the grid. Off the grid. Brought to you by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you've been hurt in an accident, call Sweet James at 800-500-5200 or sweetjames.com. I'm going to veer off the beaten path just for a second since this is technically off the grid. Did you see the tweet from Cubs pitcher Anthony Bass? I did, Vinny. (laughs) I did. Anthony Bass tweeted out, flight attendant at such and such an airline just made my 22-week pregnant wife traveling with a 5-year-old and a 2-year-old get on her hands and knees to pick up the popcorn mess by my youngest daughter. Are you kidding me? The blank storm How that go over. The blank storm that this sparked on social media was pretty immense. Uh, and apparently the consensus it well and the story is it wasn't popcorn that was brought on the plane by the wife or the children. It was provided by the flight attendant. Kids make a mess. Who's going to clean that up? Anthony Bass says it's the cleaning crew that's supposed to clean it up. Let it go. Man, did he get skewered oh, on social I bet. media. I bet he did. Came off as kind of like... Like, oh my goodness. Somebody's in there to clean up my mess? Your wife was asked mess? to be a parent? That was That's awful. Right. There's, there's a third party that was not factored in here, though. So there was the wife. There's the cleaning crew. What about you, Anthony? Well, I don't think he was, I don't think he was, he was on, on the, the flight. flight. I think he was with the team. Got it. But, yeah. <laughs> Got it. I, also, I was wondering. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read some responses, man, it got it got deep on social media. Um, 
This is also a very funny story. Brian Windhorst is in Phoenix covering the Suns Clippers uh-huh. for ESPN. Uh-huh. And apparently yesterday, <laughs> got the early call time mm-hmm. after uh, you know game one of the series. And he wasn't speaking very loudly on camera, so the guys on Get Up asked him why. My question, though, is, Wendy, I'm trying to figure out why are you the only one whispering? Everyone else is answering questions and talking. You're whispering. Why are you whispering? Well, we all have adverse situations, and apparently um, someone in the hotel room next to me was not a Get Up viewer and not happy about uh, the early wake-up call here in Phoenix. And um, let's just say that um, messages have been delivered not in a soft manner. I'm trying to avoid... um, having a wrap on any part of my body. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell, did the hotel manager tell you knock on your door and say quiet down in there? Uh, this individual did not contact the manager, but their point was made um, oh. very strongly. So I'm trying to respect my neighbors here in Phoenix before uh, 7 a.m. Hey, give that uh, that hotel neighbor credit. A lot of people just would have called the manager and let them deal with it. This person took matters into their own hands and apparently made threats to Brian. Yes. <laughs> Have you had to do that, Sarah? When no, but she's that, done a few games. You know, no one goes shoot. to Tucson and stays what? in rooms. Oh. That's sorry, own. it's a cheap shot. That was lame. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, no, but that was my fear. I think it was four shows that I did, and every time I was like, please, nobody knock it on is my door. A fear. Please, nobody knock on my door. Yeah. But, you know, you, you got to stuff the towels under the door cracks if there is one. Well, when I worked from home during the pandemic, you know, we were doing some, some earlier stuff. Not that we were in the morning slots yet, but still, I mean, I was doing some hits and things like that. I was wondering... What's what going, is going on with our neighbor? On? Why is he talking so loud? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That is funny, though. That's very funny. But that's what the pandemic brought us. There's a lot of people broadcasting now from home, from hotel rooms, mm-hmm. from all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's changed the face of land, or the, the landscape of, uh, of broadcasting. Changed the face of landscaping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's changed Escape the landscaping of land. <laughs> yes, it has. Save uh, those toes, Jerry. <laughs> We're doing well over Game here. two tonight, 7 o'clock tip, 6 o'clock pregame uh, here on uh, Arizona Sports with Tim Ring as we uh, were just joined by The Ringer. He will anchor that and then lead it up to the network uh, pregame show. Yep. I, I got a really good feeling about tonight. I'm, I, I'm, yes. you know, after re-watching the game, seeing it from a different angle, I think the Suns were out of sorts as, as a team. I think the question on the Sanderson-Ford poll question is a legit one. I wouldn't expect 22 points from Torrey Craig. I think that was a one-game anomaly. Mm-hmm. But the onus does fall on others. The bench has to be better. The bench cannot be an automatic minus no matter when or how much they're called upon yeah. tonight. And Chris Paul, eight shots made two. Missed a lot of shots that Chris Paul normally makes. I would expect a much better offensive showing from him yeah. tonight. But I think this is also the night that Kevin Durant has his first real I hope you're right. carve it out in stone yep. moment as well, a Phoenix Suns. As I said in the blast, this is the night that the Suns and Kevin Durant have to change and morph into something bigger and better and more KD focused. Not about blending in standout. There's a reason why they traded for Kevin Durant. And that's, you know, let it eat. You yeah. like to eat, Jarrett? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> Clock is ticking on him eating. Uh-huh. I feel like every, every whenever he brings me up in his Sonic commercials, yeah. I always like 
give the old hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's six thirty and yeah. no one's thinking about lunch I'll except Jerry. And I'm like, yes, you're absolutely right. Also me. And he's also been thinking about it since three thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Planning meals is one of the great joys of life. Ooh, what are we getting? It eat? really is. One last Absolutely. point I wanted to make, uh, <laughs> piggybacking on the uh, conversation we had very early in the show on the Draymond Green, DeMontis Sabonis situation. Mm-hmm. And I said this off the air. If Draymond, you can't even say if he was smart because he is a very smart player. Mm-hmm. Sabonis definitely grabbed his leg. But Green could have handled that situation a lot differently and a lot smarter and a lot more effectively because in today's NBA, you embellish stuff like that. You don't retaliate. If he embellished it, he might have shifted the series in a different way. Such a great point. If you get Demonis Sabonis even ejected for the rest of that game, that outcome is maybe different. Such and the a great Warriors point. have scratched out one of those road wins that has eluded them all year. Yeah, it was and an that, opportunity lost. He, they could have, they could have, he could have exposed Demonis Sabonis for a very dirty play. Yes. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Now he's still in jeopardy of maybe being suspended for part of the series, which completely shifts it the other way. Just wanted to get that off. You're a smart guy, Vinny. It's a really good point. I must have been tipped off by somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks to Petros, Papadakis, Kellen Olsen, Tim Ring for joining us. We'll catch you tomorrow morning at 6. Wolf and Luke up next. Have a great day, everybody.